the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Grounded and Growing in Christ. I'm Dan Rhoda, a pastor of Worland Park Christian Reformed Church, and today we are going to open the Bible together to hear from God's Word. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. There you can learn more about this audio ministry. And we'd love if you'd consider providing financial support by making a gift of any amount. If you're not part of the local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. I'm going to be reading to us from a few different sections of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 5, from 2 Timothy 1, 13 to 18, and from 2 Timothy 4. Let's look at these sections of Scripture. First, we're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I'm going to read also from 2 Timothy chapter 4, Verses 1 through 5. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 5. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And then 2 Timothy 1, 13 to 18. 2 Timothy 1, 13 to 18 says this. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Figilus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anisiphorus, For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know well the service he rendered at Ephesus. In the beginning of the church ministry year, I thought that it was right and good for us to do some thinking about the church. Now there are a few reasons that I think it's important for us to consider this. The first is that I think that there is really a great deal of misunderstanding about the church. 
I think there's a great deal of misunderstanding about what makes up a church. I think there's a great deal of misunderstanding about what it is that, that we're about. And I think the second reason that's really important for us to consider this is united to the first. And one of the things that I have found really troubling in recent months, and maybe you've seen this as well, is that there have been a few very high-profile Christians that have made it very public that they are walking away from the faith, that they're walking away from trust in Jesus Christ. And a couple that hit me really hard, uh, the first one was Joshua Harris. Now, I don't know if you know Joshua Harris or any of his works. He wrote a book that when I was in middle school was extraordinarily influential. It was a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye, where he talked about how he was courting instead of dating. And he announced a couple months ago now that he's no longer a Christian, that he has left the faith. And when I read that, and I, I heard that he was no longer part of the church, that he no longer trusted in Jesus, and that this person who had been extraordinarily influential in the lives of a number of people that I really respected, it broke my heart. And then there was another, uh, another person, Marty Sampson is his name, he is a Hillsong songwriter and worship leader who posted about a month ago that he was leaving leaving the faith, that his faith was shaky. He said that he was genuinely losing his faith in a long post on Instagram, which seems to be the place where we announce everything these days. So on Instagram, he said he was genuinely losing his faith. And, and this is another person who has been extremely influential. Hillsong is one of the, maybe the most influential uh, groups for, for worship creation, for worship song creation. And he was one of the writers of one of my favorite like contemporary songs that was written just a couple of years ago. Maybe you know it goes the chorus is like, Oh praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh praise his name forevermore. And Marty was one of the writers of that song and he now says that he's genuinely losing his faith. This was also devastating to me. Whenever, a, whenever any Christian walks away from faith, whenever any Christian leader walks away from the church, it is devastating to me. And I think that the, the two of these are related. I think our lack of understanding about what it is that the church is and the, the seeming to me growing number of people who are publicly walking away from the faith, these things are connected. If we know who it is we are as a church, if we know what it is that we're called to, if we know what it is that we're supposed to be doing, if we know what it is that's supposed to be central to our life, if we give ourselves to that, then we're going to be living out what it is that Christ calls us to. And, I, and while I, there have always been high-profile people who have abandoned the faith, as was illustrated in 2 Timothy 1, when we're told that Figulus and Hermogenes turned away from Paul, I think that if we genuinely give ourselves to the things that God has called us to, that we make Christianity and the center and the essence of Christianity and the center and the essence of the church more attractive, and therefore we raise up people who are less likely to, to turn away because they've actually encountered the gospel, because they know the Lord and they're devoted to his ways. And so I, I care very much about knowing, about all of us knowing what it is that makes up a church. Because I care very much about people staying in church and belonging to the church and believing the gospel and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to take this time to talk about what it is that makes up a church throughout the month of September. And what we're starting with is the word, the word which is central to what it is that makes up the church. This goes along with where I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding, but I remember visiting a church several years ago along with the young woman that I was dating at the time, the woman who would one day become my wife, I was trying to impress her by uh, visiting her in Denver. 
And we went to her church, which was a lovely place to visit. There were all sorts of people that were our age there. I really enjoyed being in worship along with her, especially, and with them. And that particular day that we went to that church, to Aubrey's church, the church was a church that really took seriously small groups, and it was the beginning of their ministry year, the beginning of their ministry life. And, um, and so they were talking about ways that you could become involved in the church, very much like what we're doing this morning. They're talking about all sorts of different ways that you could be drawn into the life of the church through participation in one small group or another. And, and I remember we got a booklet that listed all of the ways that you could participate in a small group in the church. And, and the pastor preached a message on the small groups of the church. And as he reached the, the sort of the high point of his message, he said this, he created this situation where he said, now if I was forced for one reason or another to say you could only keep either the small group ministries of the church or keep the the Sunday morning worship of the church, if I was told, hey, you can keep only one of those, you have to get rid of the other, he said, without hesitation, a hundred times out of a hundred, I would get rid of Sunday morning worship and I would keep the small groups. And I remember, you know, leaving and thinking, I mean, is that, is that right? And then I remember I was interviewing at another church. I was, uh, it was six years ago, six and a half years ago, the same time I was interviewing here at Orland Park CRC. And I, I was speaking with, um, speaking with the chair of the search committee as I was at her house and I was um, preparing to interview with the broader search committee that I was talking to at this church. And she was talking about some of her experiences uh, as somebody that traveled regularly, she had, been, uh, she had been in Grand Rapids at a church there. She had been worshiping there on a Sunday. She said that, that this church didn't have any sermon or any, any sort of uh, singing praise songs or any prayers, but she said that for this particular Sunday, they invited uh, an orchestra from Grand Rapids to come and for an hour to play, uh, to play a series of orchestral pieces. And what she said was, I think that at this church where, where I'm a member, I think that we could really benefit from church services that were more like that, that had less preaching or less prayers or less worship songs, but more often had the service just be a concert for the course of that hour. And I thought, was well, that church if it's simply an orchestral con- concert? What makes up the church? What do we need to have be a part of of our life together as a community for us to be considered a church. Today's message on Grounded and Growing in Christ will continue in just a moment. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, to listen to other messages from our audio ministry, or to make a financial gift of any amount, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. That's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This audio ministry is made possible by gifts from listeners like yourself. And we greatly appreciate all those of you who continue to make it possible to share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now let's return to today's message. What is it that the Bible says is of first importance when we consider the life of the church? What is it that the Bible says should be central to our experience as a body, trusting in Jesus Christ together? What must be central to us? What is a church? What makes up a church? And so because there is that much confusion... Let's dive into that and let's try to understand that. And there are some documents that are foundational for this church in particular, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church and the Christian Reformed Church more broadly, that are not scripture but are very helpful in, in putting to, pulling together a lot of biblical themes to help us understand what it is the Bible is saying. And So I'm just going to read for a bit from the Belgian Confession, Article 29, which helps us understand what makes up a church. Now, it's going to be on the screen for us. You're going to be able to see it. 
Um, and I'm, it's a little bit long, but just hang with me because it does a great job of distilling and bringing together a bunch of different scriptural themes for us to understand what a church is. So this is the marks of the true church. And this is what Belgic Confession Article 29 says. It says, we believe that we ought to discern diligently and very carefully by the word of God what is the true church. For all sects in the world today claim for themselves the name of the church. We're not speaking here of the company of hypocrites who are mixed along with the good in the church and who nonetheless are a part of it, even though they're phys- are not a part of it, even though they're physically there. But we're speaking of distinguishing the body and the fellowship of the true church from all sects that call themselves the church. The true church can be recognized if it has the following marks. And so this is what the Belgian Confession says. Hey, you want to recognize a church? Look at these marks here. The church engages in the pure preaching of the gospel. It makes use of the pure administration of the sacraments as Christ instituted them. It practices church discipline for correcting faults. In short, it governs itself according to the pure word of God, rejecting all things contrary to it, and holding Jesus Christ as the only head. By these marks, one can be assured of recognizing the true church, and no one ought to be separated from it. As for those who can belong to the church, we can recognize them by the distinguishing marks of Christians, namely by faith and by their fleeing from sin and pursuing righteousness. Once they have received the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ, they love the true God and their neighbors without turning to the right or the left, and they crucify the flesh and its works. Though great weakness remains in them, they fight against it by the Spirit all the days of their lives, appealing constantly to the blood, suffering, death, and obedience of the Lord Jesus, in whom they have forgiveness of their sins through faith in Him. So, this week, and for these next weeks, we're going to be talking about these marks of the church and about the life of the church described here in Belgic Confession Article 29 and described in the sections of Scripture that we read. Today, we're going to be talking about the Word most specifically. And so, the center of the church here is the Word. I want for us for a little bit here to follow the logic of the passages that we encountered, that we read at the beginning of this of the service. So in 2 Timothy, Paul is in this really important part of his life. Paul is approaching the very end of his life in the book of 2 Timothy, and as he is approaching the end of his life, he is writing to his son in the faith, this young man, Timothy, who is taking up the cause of the gospel that Paul had championed throughout his whole life. Timothy is being, is being taught by Paul. He's rising up to himself, helped to lead the church. And Paul, throughout 2 Timothy, gives a lot of these important exhortations to this son of his in the faith about how it is that his ministry should be characterized, what it is that should characterize his ministry. And I, I really love Second Timothy. I love the passion in the book. I love how Paul is, is clearly facing trial and hardship and how that comes through in the book. I love how personal the book in is. And, and I love, as a minister, how clear the direction is to Timothy about what should characterize a minister, about how you should be characterized as a minister. And you can see what he says is serious. What he says in 2 Timothy 1 is that Timothy is called to follow the sound words that he had heard from Timothy, that he's supposed to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, guard the deposit that he had been entrusted. 
He's supposed to guard and care for and watch over the gospel message and and the deposit that he had been given through the faithful testimony of his father in the faith. And then, when we come to 2 Timothy chapter 4, we can see that what Paul is saying is of extraordinarily serious, uh, extraordinary seriousness. He says in 2 Timothy 4, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Do you see how serious this charge is? Don't miss this. Don't miss how central and how serious this is. He's saying, Timothy... You better be paying attention at this part. And in case your mind has wandered reading this letter that I have written to you under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, know that I'm charging you now. I'm speaking to you directly. And I'm not just charging you in my own strength. I'm charging you in the presence of God and in the presence of Christ Jesus. And in case you're tempted to forget that Christ Jesus is the eternal judge, I'm going to remind you right now I'm charging you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, and you know that he is the judge of the living and the dead. I'm charging you by his appearing and by his kingdom. What I'm giving to you is of incredible importance. And so what is the charge that comes to Timothy in his task that he's being given by his father in the faith? What is this thing that is of extraordinary importance that Paul has to remind him he's charging him in the presence of the, the living God? He says this, preach the word. I'm going to give you a central charge of the thing that needs to be at the core of your ministry and life. Preach the word. And then he says, be ready in season and out of season. He's saying, Timothy, there are going to be times when people's hearts are receptive and you can see that the message is fruitful. And in those times, you preach the word. There are going to be times where it's out of season, where there's opposition where hearts are not receptive, where ears seem to be closed, in that time, but in no uncertain terms, Paul is saying that the very center of the ministry of his faithful son, Timothy, and by extension of any faithful minister that's going to follow after, the very core of it needs to be preaching the word. Now, Paul is the one that's giving this message here, right? And knowing what characterized Paul's ministry can help us to understand what should be at the center of Timothy's ministry as well. And that's where where 1 Corinthians 2 really helps us. 1 Corinthians 2 gives us the substance of the word that that Timothy is called to preach. And here's what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says. Paul, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Christ Jesus and Him crucified. That's a beautiful section of Scripture. It's one that always amazes me because Paul is filled with deep theological wisdom. But what he communicates to us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is that it is all about Jesus. The message that Paul is preaching is all about Jesus. Christ is at the absolute center of that. He has devoted himself to preaching Christ. He's like, in fact, I'm going to know nothing except Christ Jesus and him crucified. That will be my message to you, Christ. As I preach the word, I'm preaching Christ. And so this tells us in no uncertain terms that what needs to be at the center of our life as a church is the word, is the gospel, is Christ Jesus. That needs to be at the very core of who we are. You know, I'm really, really thankful for Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm thankful that that is our desire as a church. Now, if you have your bulletins with you, I think I brought one here up with me this morning. 
Nope, I didn't. I don't have a bulletin. But I know what's there. If you look at your bulletins, if you look at... Oh, thank you. This is very kind of you. If you look at the back with me, if you look at the back, it says, we're glad you're here, and that's very true. We're glad you're here today. And then it says, we're so glad you could join us for worship at Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. At Orland Park CRC, we strive to follow God's call to be grounded in Christ and growing in Christ. This is who we want to be. We want to be a people that are centered on the word and therefore centered on Christ Jesus. This is the core of what the church is, and it's the center of who we are striving to be as a church, grounded in Christ and growing in Christ, to be centered upon the word of God, to be devoted to the word of God, to heed the words of Paul given to Timothy, to preach the word in season and out of season. It is my mission and my goal as a pastor to be faithful in guarding the deposit of the gospel. It is my mission as a pastor to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. And it is my prayer that we as Christians here and that we as the church would be devoted to the word, would be devoted to the gospel, would be devoted to Christ, that this is what would be central in our life as a church. The temptation will be to do all manner of other things. The temptation will be to add, to add to this task or to think, you know what, we all understand this. Let's move beyond this. We all get the Jesus part, right? Let's move to some other things. Let's talk about some other things. Let's move beyond Christ Jesus. The temptation for me is to do this. And so you need to hold me accountable. You need to be like, pastor, you're called to preach the word. If you see that I'm giving myself to preaching over other sorts of things, other things other than the word of God, you need to talk to me and be loving about it, right? Be kind about it. Just be like, pastor, it's your task to preach the word. And if I am doing that, I'd appreciate some encouragement sometimes. You know, pastor, thank you for preaching the word. That's your task. That's what we need. But I am a human being. I'm a mere man. And so I fall into wanting to entertain you or wanting your approval or wanting things to be nice or without friction. And so wanting to avoid the word. So encourage me in the preaching of the word and when I'm not doing it, call me to preach the word and call me to guard the deposit that we've been given and realize that the word is so important. It is so central to us. It must be so central to us that that it should not, it must not be changed. Now my dear brother Romel helped me with this illustration. He was talking about how central the word must be, about how the task of a preacher hasn't changed, about how the mission hasn't changed, and about how it's to preach the gospel. And it's not to change the gospel, it's to be a messenger of the gospel. And one of the things that he notes is this, that what's probably the most famous painting in the whole world is the Mona Lisa. I'm guessing that you know about the Mona Lisa. It's, uh, it's housed in France. It's behind a bunch, of, a bunch of bulletproof glass there at the Louvre, and it's the central attraction. I've been there one time in Paris, and I went to see it, and there were just all sorts of people around, crowding around, and everyone had out cameras to snap pictures of it. Um, all of them were terrible because of the layers of bulletproof glass, right? But people wanted proof that they had seen what's probably the most famous painting in the entire world. Only two times in, uh, in the history of the Louvre having that painting has it been sent out to other institutions to have it on display at their institution. One time it was sent to New York. One time it was sent to Japan. Those are the only two times in the history of the Louvre owning it that they have sent it out to other, uh, other exhibits to be shown. In each case, there was someone entrusted to that painting to hold on to it, to make sure it wasn't stolen, to make sure that nothing happened to it. There was one person in particular entrusted with the painting to never let it leave their side to make sure that it would arrive at its appropriate destination and it would arrive in the way that it had been sent. 
Now, do you know how crazy it would have been if the person entrusted with the Mona Lisa decided, you know what? Mona Lisa just isn't wearing the sort of outfits that really would make sense to a contemporary audience. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take some, some paints myself. I'm going to paint a new dress on her. I'm going to leave everything else, you know, the same. But I'm going to give her a new dress so that people really understand that this is a, a human woman, right? Or, you know what, this hairstyle really is not in style any longer. I'm going to change here Mona Lisa's hairstyle here. Or, you know what, I, I don't really like the background here in this painting. And so I'm going to draw some, some flowers or daisies. Or I'm going to make it a little bit brighter. If any person entrusted with that masterpiece had changed the masterpiece, they would have diminished the masterpiece. And so the church, having been entrusted the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we change it, we diminish it. We rob it of its value. And so the word, the word must be at the core of everything that we do here. Everything. Because the word is central in our worship services, the word is also central for the Christian and for our church in the week. And I'm so grateful for all of the ways that people can be involved in the church during the course of the week. One of the purposes of why it is that we meet in small groups and why it is we study the Bible and why it is that we give ourselves in all sorts of different ministries is that we're seeking to have the word continually worked in us, not only when we worship together, but also when we meet together in smaller groups throughout the week. The ministry of the word is still central in all of those ministries. My prayer is that the Lord speaks to you through his word that we cultivate grateful hearts to him and flourish in a world searching for the hope that we find only in Jesus. To hear more about gratitude, to learn about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, or to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160 through this audio ministry, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. I'm Pastor Dan Rhoda, and on behalf of the Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the Bible here on AM 1160. If you're not part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Grounded and Growing in Christ can be heard weekdays at 2 p.m. on AM 1160. I'm Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. This month, we're focusing on the topic of gratitude throughout the Bible, exploring how God has instructed us to flourish in the world with hearts grateful and thankful to God. If you're not a part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.